Welcome again to Metro. You guys ready to go for it? Yeah. Um, we are in our series called Enemy, and this is the fourth and final week. And we've been talking about this idea that there is this unseen battle that rages all around us. And, and the truth is, I think you realize this. I, I think that you already sense this to be true. I think that you sense that you have an enemy that comes up against you in your life. Well, the, the scripture defines this as an enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. You have an enemy that wants to take away from you. He wants to tear apart everything that is good and holy and noble in your life. But the scripture also tells us that we have a God who wants to be in right relationship with us, a God who wants to love us. And when we put our faith and our trust and when we learn to depend on him, that he fights with us and even for us. And so we've been getting our minds around this idea that we have an enemy who has a name. And his name is the devil. Lucifer, Satan, he goes by many names, but it doesn't matter what name he goes by. His objective is always the same. It is to come against you at every single turn. And, and not only do we have an enemy named Lucifer, but he has those who work and conspire with him. And the scripture gives this name to them as demons, demons. And we began to talk about this idea that there are demons at work in our world. These demons that, that come against, and we've been talking about how they operate and how we are to stand and to fight against them. And I get it. It gets a little bit weird anytime you start talking about angels and demons because uh, it, it just does. But the scripture tells us not only are there demons, but there are also these armies of heaven, these heavenly hosts called angels that do the work of God, that do the bidding of God, that come to the aid of those who believe. And so we've been getting our mind around this idea that we are in a battle, that there is a battle that rages all around us. And Jesus said, for those who have eyes and those who have ears, they can hear it, they can see it, and they know it to be true. Well, today I want to introduce a new character into this battle. And this character is a game changer. It is a war changer. And what's interesting about this character, this isn't another external force that is unseen. This is an internal presence, listen, an internal presence that literally changes everything. The scripture speaks of this game changer as the name, the Holy Spirit. Anybody in the room familiar with the term Holy Spirit of God? Anybody? Now, I got to admit to you, when I was younger, um, I was confused by this understanding of the Holy Spirit. Uh, th this idea that the scripture speaks of is that there is this triune God. Now, I, I, I admit it, this is very, very complicated, but there is this triune God, this trinity. And, and, and growing up, it was very confusing because they would speak of God the Father, God the Son, and anybody help me? God the Holy Spirit. And in some church environments, they, they call it God the Holy the Holy Ghost, and it changes everything. And, and, and I understood what it meant to, to, to have a God the Father because I had a father. And, and I understood what it meant to have God the Son because I was a son. But this idea of God the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, it, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. It frightened me because it didn't seem too holy to me. It seemed more like Freddy Krueger, right? Uh, anybody, it seemed to me like that, that guy who visits you when you were a little kid at night in the middle of the night. Um, do, do you remember this? Like when you, I'm sure it came to your house. I'm told it, it came to everybody's house. But, but like when you're in, in bed sleeping and your arm falls off the bed and you're like, ah, get back up here. Because the man under the bed would grab you and suck you in, right? Your foot slips off the bed and you were like, you know what I'm talking about? 
Does that happen to anybody else or is it just me growing up? Because you just, and that's kind of how I viewed the Holy Spirit. Like you didn't know what to make of it because it just kind of freaked you out a little bit and it, it got weird. And, and so the funny thing is for me, I bounced between a couple of churches when I was in high school. Uh, one church uh, was where my family went to church. And the other church was where all the pretty girls went to church, okay? And so I kind of bounced between the two. Now, the church that my family attended, they would hardly ever speak of the Holy Spirit. Uh, remember, if you kind of raised your hand, it was like they were ushering you out the back door because you were wild, right? Um, but, but the church where all the pretty girls went, they, they didn't just speak of the Holy Spirit. They spoke all the time of the Holy Ghost, right? Anybody ever been to one of those churches where it's the Holy Ghost, Duh, right? Um, and, and so these girls, while pretty, they were all weird. It's true. It was weird because this was the kind of church that had like a tambourine. Like I'm all for the tambourine, glory to God, if you know what I'm saying, right? But it would be like the preacher's preaching something and all of a sudden some lady in the back just whips out her tambourine and goes like, woo, yeah. I'm like, what just happened? You know, or, or they would take out their little hanky chef and wave it, or they would have like a flag. And sometimes they, sometimes, true story, listen, in the name of the Holy Ghost, they would run up and down these aisles. And I, I just was like, what is going on around here? It was just weird. Anybody ever seen this kind of religious sort of activity, if you know what I'm talking about? It, it's strange sometimes, right? Um, but today, as I've matured and I've gotten a little older, um, and I've studied the scriptures. The Holy Spirit isn't just the third person of the Trinity. He isn't just the third person of the Godhead. He is essential to you and me living out the Christian faith. The Holy Spirit's work in our life is detrimental to us knowing, loving, and following God. Without his work in our life, we are going to get absolutely Nowhere. He is 100% necessary, 100% essential for you and I becoming all that God wants us to become. And friends, listen, without the work of the Holy Spirit alive and well in our life, we will always lose to the enemy. We will never defeat the enemy who comes against us because you and I, we cannot defeat the enemy with our own strength. You realize this. You don't have enough within you to win on your own. You need to have God who comes and literally takes up residence within you. And, and so we're going to begin this study to understand who is the Holy Spirit and what is his work in our life. Because, listen, friends, we need to cultivate this relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. The scripture says that, 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 that the Holy Spirit is God's personhood who comes and takes up residence in your soul. And it changes everything. It changes everything everything about who you are and what you think and what you believe and how you do life and how you conduct yourself, what you say, how you react, how you feel about things. Friends, it changes every part of who you are. And so the scripture teaches us about the Holy Spirit. And let's begin with Jesus. And what did he say about the Holy Spirit? Let's learn from Jesus. And here's what it says in the book of John, chapter 14. You may want to write this down and go back and read the whole thing for yourself, but we're going to look at a couple of verses. John 14, verses 16 through 17. It says this, and I will ask the Father, Jesus speaking now, he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you what? What is this? Another counselor, capital C. He will give you another counselor to be with you when? Forever. Who is he? He is the 
spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but, but, but you know him for he lives. Where? He lives with you and where? In you. He will be in you, not just around you, not just like, oh, I can sense that God is somewhere out there, but he's not just out there. He is in here. Jesus says he literally comes and he takes up residence within us. And so the, these words from Jesus, they teach us first and foremost. Listen, this is so important. You may want to write this down. The first thing that we learn from Jesus is that Jesus teaches us that the Holy Spirit is not an it, but he's a person. He's not an it. He's a person. He's not a cosmic force. He's not some external being. He's not some self-guilt conscious you have. He's not some sort of uh, feeling that you muster up in your gut. Listen, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is not an it. He is a person. He is the Spirit of the living, breathing, holy God who comes and he lives and breathes within you. Within you. And this is a game changer, friends. It changes everything. And here's the second thing I think Jesus uh, teaches us, is that people who are not believers simply cannot understand the Holy Spirit. Jesus says they don't know him. They, they don't understand it. Listen, they, they, rec- they cannot recognize his presence. The scripture teaches us that until the Holy Spirit moves inside of you, you don't really understand even what we're talking about. And this is why I have so many friends, even people in this very church who struggle with belief, they go, Jay, the stuff that you say, the stuff that you, you say you believe, the, say that you, the stuff that you say you experience from God, it's just wacko. It's just weird to me. Yeah, it is. I get it. It, it sounds so crazy and it sounds so weird. But Jesus even says, listen, he says, yeah, people who don't believe, they're going to struggle deeply with this. They won't get it. They won't understand it at all. Um, But Jesus went on to teach that not only, it was Jesus who went on to teach that not only is there a spirit of God somewhere out there, but the spirit of God comes and takes up residence within you. He is in you. He is not only with you, he is inside of you. And I want you to understand what this means, friends. If you've come to this place of faith where you have invited the work of God into your life, this, this changes everything. This this means that the power that rose Jesus from the grave is at work in your life. Come on. No, no, wait, wait, start over. This means that the power that rose Jesus from the grave is at work in your life. Do do, do you hear this? That, That he begins to change every part of who you are. He renews you. He rethinks you. He gets you to, he, he gives you a whole different level of peace. He gives you a whole different level of understanding. He gives you a whole level, different level of joy. He gives you a whole different level of, of completion in your life, of hope in your life. He gives you a whole new perspective of who you are. And listen, friends, he has the power of God is released into your life because of him. You're able to overcome things that have held you for years. You're able to change the way you think, to change the way you act, change the way you react. He's he's able to change your marriage, your relationship with your kids. It is the Holy Spirit's work in you that rebirths you, gives you another crack at it. Somebody should say amen, Amen. because I needed it, friends. I needed that, and I need that every day. The Holy Spirit's at work in, in us, and friends, so what this means is this. Let's look at a few things that the Holy Spirit does in our life. Look at the few things that the Holy Spirit gives us in our life. Here's the first one is that the Holy Spirit, and you may want to write this one down, that the Holy Spirit of God will give you the power of salvation. 
The power of salvation in week one, we talked about how there is an enemy and he wants to what? Blind you. Do you remember this? That we have an enemy who wants to blind you. And he wants to cause you to, to not see what God is at work in. He wants to cause you to not understand, not hear the spirit of God. But the Holy Spirit, he comes and he lifts those blinders. He is the one who draws you to God. He is the one who does in you what you cannot do for yourself. He enables you to see God. It is the Holy Spirit who is the true seeker, and he seeks after you. And he nudges you forward. He moves you forward. He makes you rethink the direction of your life. He makes you rethink where you put your hope. He makes you rethink where you put your confidence. The Holy Spirit drops something deep into your life, and it's called the power of salvation in your life. Um, listen to what Jesus says in the book of John, chapter 3. He, he begins to talk about this direction that the Holy Spirit gives, this new life that the Holy Spirit gives, this rebirthing process that the Holy Spirit gives. He says, I tell you the truth, that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water, and what else, friends? Say it with me, and of the Spirit. For flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. In other words, your mama gave you birth once? Woo, thanks, Mom. But God's Spirit... He births something brand new in you. Even if you're an old dude, even if you're an old woman, he gives you a brand new hope, a brand new life. And let me tell you something, friends. I needed rebirthing. I needed a new start. And people in the world, they kind of, they'll, they'll tend to mock people who go, well, you're a born again, born again Christian. You better believe it. You better believe that he rebirthed something in me that this world took from me. He gave me a new start in life. And I'm so thankful for the uh, spirit of God's work inside of me. He gives me a whole new birth. And all of a sudden, life changes. All of a sudden, hope changes. All of a sudden, direction changes. You have been born again. And every once in a while, and you may have thought this, friends, people will go, well, how do you know? I mean, how do you know you're like a Christian? How do you know you're like saved? How do you know you got this Holy Spirit living inside of you? That sounds just weird to me. How do you know you have been born again, born anew, rebirthed? How do you know this? Anybody ever thought about this for yourself? Like, how do you really know? Anybody? Or is it just me? Raise your hand if you thought about this before. Okay, good. Enough of us. Okay, now listen, listen. This is so important. Um, this idea of the Holy Spirit lets you know that your relationship with God is alive. So many years ago, in our little church, um, we were at Flat Rock High School. And uh, my oldest son, when he was a real little guy, he's about three years old, um, he, he made a mad dash break out of Metro Kids. True story. Um, he, I don't know how he got past all the workers, all the assistant workers, all the layer of bureaucracy, all the armed security back there. But this little three-year-old guy finds his way into the auditorium, opens the main door, and I'm up on stage preaching. And he can hear his daddy preaching. And I'm up there doing my deal. And all of a sudden, I see my little guy kind of moseying down the little side aisle. And he is locked into what? My voice. He is like on his way up the little aisle. And then all of a sudden I see a little Metro Kids worker come back through the door. I'm up there doing my thing going, oh, this is not going to be good. And I see this person start to kind of trot up the aisle. And then all of a sudden when my son recognized where I was, he makes a mad dash for the stage. And then the Metro Kids worker makes a mad dash for my son. And all of a sudden about halfway down the aisle, uh, this, this lady scoops up my boy and turns around. And when that happened, he freaked out. He was like... You don't know who my daddy is. You don't know. My daddy is up there talking. My daddy is the daddy that runs this show, and you can't keep me from my daddy. Let me tell you something, friends. 
The Spirit of God draws you to your daddy. The Spirit of God draws you to his voice, to his presence, to his leadership. And when something keeps you from this, the Spirit of God lets you know that you're separated from your father. The Spirit of God lets you know that you're heading in the wrong direction. The Spirit of God lets you know that your soul is alive when you're near God. How do you know, friends? It's because the Spirit of God makes you alive. The Spirit of God lets my soul sink. And I don't care what the whole world says. I don't care if they go, well, it's nice for you, but you know, it's nice that you think that God is alive inside of you and that you have this born new kind of a thing. I could care less what they say. Because all I know is that when I'm close to my father, the spirit lets me know that I am his son. I hear his voice. I hear his leadership in my life. And I want to be near him. It's why when I wander, it's when you wander. That's why he calls you back. It's when you ever say, forget it, it's too hard. He calls you back. He is alive inside of you. Here's what the scripture says. This is very interesting. Romans chapter 8. The spirit of God, God draws you to your father. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says it like this. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The power of the Holy Spirit reminds me that I am a child of God. No matter what the world tries to beat out of me, no matter what the world tries to take from me, the spirit of God reminds me that I am a child of God, that I belong to God, that I can hear his voice and that I can move toward him. That is the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of salvation being brought into your life. It's the kind of renewal that we all need. And here's really the second thought. The Holy Spirit gives you power to to live out your faith. Let me tell you something, friends. The Holy Spirit gives you power to live out what you truly believe. One thing that this means is that the Holy Spirit gives you power to overcome the sin in your life. You know this and I know this. There are things in your life, there are things in your life, there are things in my life that keep taking us away from God. It doesn't always have to be this way. Some of us go, I've been this way for a real long time. Well, you've always been a jerk, and God says, I don't want you to be a jerk anymore. Right? And the Holy Spirit allows you to overcome your jerkiness. The Holy Spirit changes you. And those very things that have held you captive for so many years, the Holy Spirit says, you can be free with my help. He gives you power to change this. He gives you power to overcome the sin. As a matter of fact, um, Romans chapter 8, it says that the power helps us put to death the deeds of our flesh. In other words, we can end the very things that, that separate us from God through the power's work of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit's work in our life. Pastor Greg was, was brilliant last week. Anybody here last week for what Pastor Greg talked? It was amazing. He talked about how the power of God is released in our life when we believe the promises of God over the promises of sin. And how we get all caught up in running after the promises of that what sin has made to us. All those things to say, if you follow after me, if you come my way, if you come down this dark alley, you're going to get this, this, and this. You're going to be really, really happy. And we end up believing the power of those lies. But the Holy Spirit's power is released in our life when we believe in the, in the promises of God, in the truth of God, when we shift our thinking. And it's the Holy Spirit that allows us to shift our thinking. He gives us a whole new walk, a whole new direction. And let me tell you something else. The Holy Spirit, what he does is he gives you a whole new boldness in your life. 
And some of us are like trapped and some of us feel like we can never become something different or something more or something other than we are. And the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you a whole new level of boldness in your life to move where you never thought you can move. It is the Holy Spirit who says to you, you can go forward in your life. You can become more in your life. You can become different in your life. There's some people in this room that the Holy Spirit wants to release a boldness inside of you even to share your faith. You know this, right? Because there's, I'm guessing, if you're like me at all, there are times in your life where you just feel, man, I just would love to share what Christ has done in me. I just, this person, this situation, I would just love to bring the truth of God's word. When you're hearing something at the office and the whole talk of the office is going in one direction and you're going, I don't want to go that way. And I would just love to speak into this in a different direction. Where the scripture says that the Holy Spirit will give you a boldness to live out your faith. It'll give you, he'll give you a boldness to become who God has created you to become. Here, here's what the scripture says. It's amazing. Paul, the writer of much of the New Testament, uh, when we read Paul, we think, man, this guy's like a rock star. We think this guy has utter confidence in what he's doing. But listen carefully to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Very, very interesting. He says, he says I came to you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. In other words, we vision a guy like Paul standing up and just rah, letting you have it. You know, a lot of times people think, well, Jay, it's really easy for you to like, come out on that stage because like, you're just kind of like, good at it and stuff. And you don't even know. You have no idea. I stand back there. And Bill's like, it'll be okay, Jay, because I'm like. Whoo, and I have to trust and depend on God to do what I cannot do. And Paul says, listen, I came to you. You're not who I think I, you, you think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I have fear and I have trembling going on. But I have a different confidence that comes from, from God. Listen, he says, I came to you in weakness and in fear but, and with much trembling. My message and my preaching, they were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on what? On what? God's power. He says, my abilities are not that good. I ain't all that in a bag of chips. I'm not who you think I am. He says, there's a different power source in my life. When I open my mouth, the Holy Spirit begins to speak. Friends, we say this all the time around here, that you need to step out in order to find out what God wants to do with your life. You can't sit around and expect God to come a-knocking. You've got to be in motion. You've got to say, God, it's much easier for God to uh, steer a car in motion than a parked car. You know that, right? <laughs> it's brilliant. It's brilliant. That's my good friend, Ken Bustle, right there. That's what he says all the time. You know, Jeremy, got to be in motion. God doesn't like to steer parked cars. Let me tell you something. You've got to step out in order to find out. You've got to have a new level of boldness, and there's the Spirit of God who says, I want to do something in you. And you need to start stepping out and obeying the call that I put on your life. I put passions into your life, and you better start walking in those directions. As a matter of fact, listen to this. Um, when some of the apostles were arrested because they were, they were trying to live out the Christian faith, and the Christian faith was outlawed, and, and so they arrested these people, they put them in jail, and God came and did a miraculous thing. Listen to this. This is found in the book of Acts chapter 4. It says, and they prayed, and the place where they were meeting was shaken. Okay, so you got to get this, they got these people praying over here, like down the road, and John and Peter were in prison, and they're praying, and all of a sudden, the place starts to shake, and what we don't know from this story, but from other stories in the scripture, is it says that when they prayed, the place shakes, and their, their cuffs, that were their chains, literally fall off of them. And we go, well, that sounds weird. 
It ain't weird. If there is a God at all, he can shake a little building and have some stinking chains fall to the ground. It's not a weird thing, so stop saying it's weird because, listen, if there is a God at all, it is not too much to expect God to act like a God. Right? And, and so it says that they, they, they were freed, and listen to what happens next. And now they were all filled with the what? The Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God. How? Boldly. Come on. They were like, God, you can do anything. And you can do anything and you can start with me. You can start in me. Change their life. And here's another thing that I think we got to get around that the Holy Spirit wants to do. The Holy Spirit wants to give you power to make a difference in this world. You hear me? The Holy Spirit wants you to make a difference in the world and he will enable you to do that. He will empower you to do that. Now, how does he do this? Um, how can you make a difference in this world when the world is so big and so bad? Uh, well, I tried to find a non-weird way of trying to explain this, but I can't think of a non-weird way of, of explaining this. This is just weird. I don't know how else to say it. But God gives you this thing called spiritual giftings. Spiritual gifts. He deposits something in your life that he uniquely uses for his unique purposes in your life. He, he, he does something incredible inside of you. He gives you these gifts that come from the spirit of God. Here's how it says in the book of 1 Corinthians. I want you to pay close attention to this. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them all. There are different kinds of service, but it's the same Lord. And there are different kinds of workings, but all of them, and in every one, it is the same who? God at work. So God has a goal, God has an agenda, and he looks around and he goes, you all are the ones I'm going to get it done by. And I'm going to give something to you and something to you and something to you. And here's why. And here's why. He, now, now to each one, the manifestation, or so these gifts are given of the Spirit, and they're given for why? For the common good. So what's a spiritual gift? First of all, we realize that gifts are from God, that God places this unique ability, this unique talent inside of you, this unique calling inside of you, these, these driven passions inside of you. And, and, and why? why does he do this? Because they are meant to be a special blessing to the kingdom of God. They're meant to bring glory to God in your life. They're meant to somehow move the kingdom of God downfield. They're meant to, for the common good of the church. Remember, this is given in the context of the church at work. We're supposed to be one body. And if the church is going to make any difference in the world, he says, one guy, one girl can't do it all. All of us who claim to be a child of God and part of the family of God are given these gifts from God. Not so that you can sit around and do nothing. Like, I feel really good about myself. Look at all these gifts. Oh, It's so that you will get out and do something with it, that you will make this world different. Verse 7 said, a spiritual gift, a manifestation of the Spirit is given so that we will have a common good going on. This is a direct context of the local church. God puts different uh, gifts inside of us. And listen, this is so important. Um, There is something supernatural about this gifting. They're different than your natural gifts. But oftentimes, God takes your natural gifting which is also from him, and he does something supernatural with it. It's when you start to offer it to God, when you start to ask God to do inside of you what you cannot do for yourself, 
When you ask God to use you in ways that are extraordinary in this world, God says, there's a willing vessel. I've given them gifts and I'm gonna use them for my glory. And when you allow God to do that, he infuses his power inside of you. And he does in you what you could not do on your own. And so some of you in this room, like you serve and you're good at serving. You organize things and you get things done and you don't mind it. But when you start to say, God, I want my serving to be lifted before you. I want it to be used by you. God's gonna come in and go, man, I'm gonna show you what taking trash is really all about. I'm gonna show you what serving the kids is really gonna be all about. And he is gonna lift your game. He's gonna elevate your game. And you're gonna see extraordinary results out of very ordinary things. Because God does in you what man cannot do for himself. This is the very nature of a spiritual gift. There are those in this room, you have like this gift of wisdom. You're a pretty smart guy and you kind of know what's going on in the world. And there are moments out there in the world that you go, okay, yeah, I think this is what we should do. And people go, wow, you're a smart guy. We should, we should do that, yeah. But when you say, God, I want to use these for you. I want to leverage these wisdom gifts, these discernment gifts that the scripture speaks of. And I want them to be used by you. God, I'm asking that you would infuse power inside of me. All of a sudden, God's going to put you in situations where you're speaking life change into people in big and extraordinary ways because God takes what was normally yours and he manifests his spirit and he lifts it in a whole different level. There are people in this room that you're good at organizing. You're like an administrative gifted person. Glory to God. (laughs) Glory to God. There are people in this church that keep our bills paid and keep things running smoothly. Um, this guy, Sean, right up here, he organizes part of our finance team and part of our security teams and, and Ron, and I got an assistant that is amazing. She makes like organization out of my chaos. It's amazing. But that can only go so far until they lift those gifts before God. And they ask God to do inside of them what they could not do for themselves. Then all of a sudden, when the Holy Spirit says there's a willing vessel with a willing heart, uh, he says, I will use my spirit's power inside of you. I will use what you have, what little you have, and I will blow it up sky high. Blow it up sky high. I got to tell you, you know, I didn't even say this in the first service, but I got to tell you, when I, um, when I was a kid, um, you couldn't get me up in front of people. I can tell you that right now. Like, I took a big old fat... F in, in, in like speech class. I would never, ever, ever dream in a million years of standing in front of anybody. But God says, Jeremy, if you just have a little bit and you allow me to infuse power in your life, I'll do in you what you cannot do for yourself. I'm telling you, friends, this is the idea of the supernatural at work inside of us. God wants to use you to make this world different. He wants you to, uh, to do extraordinary things. And let me tell you something. There are some people in this room that you got to stop being lazy. There are some people in this room, and I say this with all the love that I possibly can, but you got to stop putting off what God wants you to do. you got to stop making excuses. There are people in this room who have come up to me and say, well, I've been here for 10 years, and I just love this place, and I just love what's going on here, and I think it's really cool, and, and I want to be involved. I just don't know what to do. I don't know like, where I'm supposed to, I'm going to do it. i got a lot of things going on right now. i got like three kids, and, and i just got a lot of stuff going on right now. Listen, you got to stop making excuses. I'm sick of the devil winning because we are waiting to be used by God. Come on. we got to change this. We got to say, God, here I am. I'm yours. And the Holy Spirit will meet you if you move toward them or toward him. The Holy Spirit wants to make, make a difference in this world through you. And can I, can I just give you a, just a humble, I mean, a very humble word of warning. 
because there are some in this room that you've been sitting around making excuses for far too long and you've been putting your hand up against the spirit of God for far too long. I'm too busy. I'm too this. I don't feel well enough. I'm not, I'm not smart enough. I'm not whatever. I'm not rich enough. I can't do, I can't do, I can't do. And the spirit of God all the time is going, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're part of the body. You're called. You are called. You're enabled. I've gifted you. You've got to get in the game. But you have resisted the Holy Spirit. Can I just humbly, lovingly say to you, stop resisting the Holy Spirit. It will not go well for you. If you keep fighting the Holy Spirit in your life, if you keep making excuses in your life, eventually the voice of God will become smaller and smaller to you. Not because God has stopped speaking, but it's because you have moved further and further away from him. Stop it. Here's what it says. Um, Stephen, one of the early church leaders, he's looking at all these people who say they believe in God. And this is what he says to them. This will blow your little mind. He says this in the book of Acts. He says, you redneck people. Oh, wait. Shoe fits where it. Uh, He says, you stiff-necked people. You're stiff. You're fighting back. You're resisting. He says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. He says, you can never hear from God because your heart has not been cut by the Spirit of God. He says, you are just like your fathers. You always what? Resist the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I'm telling you, friends, you gotta stop this. I mean, you can think of it this way. Like, I'm I'm married to Lynette, lovely, lovely lady. And you know how she is. She's always all over me. It's incredible. Always wanting to kiss and hug and cuddle. And you know how women are. They only got one thing on their mind all the time. You know what I'm saying, right? And if I keep saying no, eventually it stops. I know that. Right? And you know that. You keep saying no to God. He'll respect you. And he'll say, okay, fine. I'll go find somebody else. Because my kingdom is coming with or without you. Do not resist the Holy Spirit. Let me end with this little story. I read it out of C.S. Lewis's book called The Screw Tape Letters. I don't know if you ever read this little book. It'll blow your mind. It's incredible. Uh, it's called The Screw Tape Letters. You go find it and read it. It'll, it'll, it'll be good for you. And, he, and C.S. Lewis is writing a little story about a meeting that happened outside the gates of hell, just at the very gates of hell. And Satan was orchestrating this little meeting. And in this book, he describes there's this legion of demons spread throughout. And, and he's, he's trying to mastermind a plan to stop God's kingdom come, right? He's, he's trying to figure out what they can do to resist the work of the Holy Spirit in this world. And, and so he's like, any ideas? And one of the big shot demons comes forward and says, I'll tell you what we need to do. I say this, that we should go and we should tell all the peoples of earth that there is no place called heaven, that there's nothing to look forward to, that this is all they get. And we ought to convince them that there is no eternal heaven. That'll take them off their game. And Satan replies to him, he says, sit down. Are you so foolish? And he says, haven't you read the book? In the book... It speaks of heaven all the time. And they're never going to take their eyes off of heaven. That's what they live for. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of time because as long as they look at the book, 
They'll know that heaven is for real. And then another stands forward and says, all right, why don't we tell them that there is no hell then? If there is no place of judgment, no place of condemnation, if there is no place of atonement, if there is no place of having to be made right or wrong, he says, then they'll live the way they want to live. And every single step will take them away from the power of God. Yeah, let's tell them there is no hell. And Satan just rises up and he pushes that demon back and he says, are you so foolish? The author of the book, the one they call the Messiah, the Jesus, the son of God, he spoke of of hell more than he even spoke of heaven. And if we can't convince him that heaven's not real, how are we ever going to convince him that hell's not real? No, that won't work either. And then C.S. Lewis in his little book, he He says, there's this imp, I-M-P, an imp demon. I don't even know what that means. This little imp walks through the crowd, this little pipsqueak of a demon. And he says, I have a suggestion. Why don't we tell them there is no hurry? That they got plenty of time to be made right with God. Tell them there is no hurry. They have plenty of time for God to use them in the kingdom tomorrow. They have plenty of time. They have plenty of time. Let's let's convince them that there is no hurry or urgency in the kingdom of God. Let them go about their business. Let them go about earning a living and, and entertaining themselves right into the ground. And Satan rises up and he says, that's it. That's what we'll do. We'll convince them that there is nothing to hurry about when it comes to spiritual matters. Now go. Friends, we have an enemy who has convinced you and me that there is no hurry, that there is no urgency in the kingdom, that there's always tomorrow for you. We're not promised tomorrow. You know that. You know that. Father, I uh, just come before you and humbly ask that your spirit would speak into this room right now. In any way that we have resisted you, God, would you convict our soul? any way that we put our hand up to you, God, would you lovingly lower that hand and say, listen to me, my child. God, would we be responsive to you tonight? Speak, oh God. Speak to us, God. And help us to be willing to listen. God, for those in this room who have resisted you, God, would you forgive? And would you remind us again of the urgency of the kingdom? That we have an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything that is good, noble, and holy in our lives. God, help us to rise up to battle. Help us to be used in your kingdom. Help us to be responsive to the Holy Spirit of the living God who now lives inside of us. Speak louder than ever before, God. Scream at us if necessary. 
whisper if you can. But we want to hear you. For some in this room, maybe right now, just in a moment of prayer, just in a, one minute, just one more minute. Maybe you just need to say, God, I'm so sorry for resisting you. Maybe there's some in this room that you know that you even need to just open your heart to Jesus right now. You need to invite him into your life right now. You need to say, Father, forgive me of my sin, for there are a whole bunch of them. And God, I cannot do this. I can't, I can't come clean on my own. Maybe right now you just need to say, Father, forgive me. I invite your spirit into my life. Maybe right now in this room that there's some others that need to say, Father, I'm so sorry for fighting back and for, for not listening to your call. There's so many things that I wrestle with and so many things that you've tried to deal with my soul on and I've just fought you and fought you and fought you. And God, I'm just sick of fighting. Would you, would you make it right? Others in this room, you know the call of God on your life. You gotta change some things. You gotta sacrifice some things. You gotta move in a different direction. You gotta take your family in a different direction. Maybe you would just say, God, sorry. I'm so sorry. I wanna be used in your kingdom. I wanna hear your voice. I wanna sense your leadership and I wanna obey it. Please speak to me, God. I wanna be used by you. May your spirit empower me to make this world different. In Jesus' strong name, we say, amen.